You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. This episode is brought to you by Palo Alto Networks, the leader in cybersecurity. As AI-driven attacks increase, organizations can't afford to have network security that's stuck in the past. Discover how Palo Alto Networks can help you predict what's coming and proactively secure against it with a zero-trust, AI-powered network security platform built to secure whatever, whenever, wherever. To learn more, visit paloaltonetworks.com slash network security platform. I've been binge-watching Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. over at Disney Plus for the last month or so. I have to say, if you're a Marvel fan or a science fiction fan or even just a super spy fan, this little TV show that ran on ABC from 2013 to 2020 is really quite good. Created by Josh Whedon of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Firefly, and the Avengers fame, the production values are really quite high for a TV show created almost 10 years ago. And it's the perfect mindless entertainment I've been craving during the pandemic. I don't know about you, but these past two years, I've been staring clear of anything too real or too serious with the Howard family's evening entertainment activities. I just don't need any more stress in my day-to-day life. As I try to forget this dumpster fire of a world right now, with us just coming out of a pandemic, a senseless war in Europe, and assaults on many fronts of our democratic liberal values in favor of authoritarianism. And Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a perfect palate cleanser. There's this trope in spy movies where the good guys eventually decide that they need to talk to the bad guys before the last act happens when they all try to kill each other. Watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. last night, I had an epiphany. I noticed that the good guys don't grab an Uber, rock up to the bad guy's evil lair, knock on the door and say, hey, got a minute? Oh, no. No, that's just not how it's done. Instead, the good guys meet with the bad guys at some agreed-upon location nowhere near the evil lair. Some vetting gets done on both sides in the form of weapons pat-downs and insult trading, which are usually quite funny. And then once both parties are satisfied, the bad guys put bags over the good guys' heads and whisk them off to some safe house somewhere. And I said to myself, hmm, isn't that weirdly similar to how a software-defined perimeter, or SDP, works? And I hear what you're thinking— I feel you looking down your noses at me saying only Rick could connect the dots from superhero stories to probably the best innovation in identity and access management since AT&T patented the idea of two-factor authentication in 1995. Well, yes, of course that's true. And you're welcome. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But I guess that means we need to break out the Rick the Toolman toolbox and explain what SDP is how we got there, and why it represents a better architecture for our zero-trust, first-principle strategy. My name is Rick Howard, and I'm broadcasting from the CyberWire Secret Sanctum Sanctorum Studios, located underwater somewhere along the Patapsco River near Baltimore Harbor. And you're listening to CSO Perspectives, my podcast about the ideas, strategies, and technologies that senior security executives wrestle with on a daily basis. 
When the internet really started to take off for commercial and normal everyday people in the mid-1990s, the security architecture of choice was something called defense in depth. The idea was that you would place multiple security tools in the path of any would-be adversary group, and if they managed to get past the first one, then the second one would stop them. If that failed, then the third one would, etc., etc. When I shall sit, you shall sit. When I shall kneel, you shall kneel, etc., etc., etc. When security professionals talk about the security stack today, this defense-in-depth collection of security tools is mostly what they're referring to. In those early days, most of us only had three tools, a firewall, an intrusion detection system, and an antivirus system. And that established the defensive perimeter between our organization and the Internet. In other words, we used the security stack to create a barrier between the wild, wild west that was the Internet and our bastion of commercial and personal activity. That was great if you worked inside the perimeter all day long and didn't have to go to the Internet for anything. But what happened immediately were all these exceptions. Our stated security policy was that we were going to block everything at the firewall that we didn't trust. But for all kinds of good business reasons, we had to punch holes through the firewall to allow contractors, partners, and employees who operated outside the firewall to access the things they needed inside the firewall. Sometimes we would just open up the firewall with specific rules for each exception. By the 2000s, though, we would just give them access to those resources via a virtual private network connection, or VPN. The difference between coming straight through the firewall and using a VPN can be found at layer 3 of the TCPIP stack, the network layer. With a VPN, the client establishes a secure tunnel, an encrypted path at layer 3 to the VPN server on the inside of the perimeter. Think of coming straight through the firewall as akin to walking through the front door of your office building. As you badge in with a card reader and work your way through the security checkpoint, everybody can see what you're doing. With a VPN, though, it's like you're in a Star Trek TV show. You walk into a transporter room on the outside of the firewall and pop out on the inside of the firewall completely bypassing any security. This is great for the VPN user in that nobody in the middle of that communications path can observe the data that both sides are transmitting, especially the firewall. It's all encrypted. The bad news for the security team is that you can't monitor traffic for malicious behavior. If you're running all that traffic through a security stack like a firewall and an intrusion detection system, it doesn't matter. Whatever magic you thought your security stack was doing isn't happening because it can't see the data. Both architectures, straight through the firewall and VPNs, are just poor designs. Leaving holes in the firewall for employees to get through also provides bad guys the same opportunity. If they manage to sneak through one of the holes, they basically have access to everything inside the perimeter. VPNs are worse in that the tunnel completely bypasses the security stack altogether. In our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. analogy, this architecture is similar to the good guys rocking up on the bad guy's evil lair and knocking on the door. They know where it is, and now it's just a matter of time until they find an unlocked door or an open window that they can sneak through. And I know you're asking yourself, if the spies in the movies know this is a bad idea, why is the security community doing it in the real world? Isn't there a better design? Well, of course there is. In the early 2000s, the U.S. military started experimenting with the idea of de-perimeterization under the project name the Jericho Forum. 
The idea was to decouple the identification and authorization functions away from the sensitive workloads. In other words, you wouldn't connect to a system by going through the firewall or through a VPN tunnel and then try to log into it. Instead, you connect to a separate system, an SDP controller outside the firewall that verifies your identity and validates that you have a need to know and a need to access. If you're authorized, then the SDB controller establishes a VPN-like tunnel connection between you and the workload, but to nothing else. That system hides the workload and all the workloads in a kind of black cloud, as the DoD called it. In other words, any random bad guy on the internet couldn't easily see or find the sensitive workloads protected behind the perimeter. All they could see is the SDP controller handling the identity and authorization functions. This is more akin to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. model and to our Zero Trust strategy. You go to a mutually agreeable spot, validate each other, and then get whisked off to a safe house, not the entire evil lair. Unfortunately, the DoD never built it. It was a proof of concept that never materialized. Oh, no! In 2010, Google announced a breach to their systems by the Chinese government that came to be known as Operation Aurora. In the weeks that followed, we learned that there wasn't just one Chinese government entity operating inside the Google network. There were three, the Chinese equivalents of the FBI, the Department of Defense, and the CIA. And in a nod to government bureaucracies everywhere, they each didn't know the other two were in there until Google went public with the information. Fun fact, my editor, John Petrick, reminded me that one of the indicators of Chinese government involvement back then was the time when the attacks occurred, mostly between 9 and 5 Shanghai time. It was as if the Chinese hackers were checking in on a time clock. Morning, Sam. Oh, oh, morning, Ralph. I remember back in those days when we all thought how significant time zones were in attribution. If the attacks occurred between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. Moscow time, then of course the Russians did it. In hindsight, that seems a bit naive. Today, if I'm planning an offensive cyber operation, there would always be a false flag component to emulate some known adversary attack sequence along the intrusion kill chain, like the Russian sandworm campaigns or the Chinese keyhole panda campaigns or the Iranian oil rig campaigns, and then leave behind time zone traces that match. I'm just saying. In response to the Aurora attack, Google's Site Reliability Engineers, or SREs, redesigned their internal security architecture from the ground up using the concepts of deperimeterization and the zero-trust philosophy. A few years later, they released a commercial product called Beyond Core that incorporated many of the ideas they developed internally. In 2013, the nonprofit Cloud Security Alliance announced their Software-Defined Perimeter Initiative and released their 1.0 specification a year later. And then in 2020, NIST released their Zero Trust Architecture document that outlined some of the early discussion of software-defined perimeters. Finally, this year, 2022, the Cloud Security Alliance announced version 2.0 of its specification document. Today, deperimeterization is known in the industry as software-defined perimeter. An unfortunate name because, as I have said, it has nothing to do with perimeter defense at all. There's no perimeter anymore. It completely decouples the login process from the workload. If I were in marketing, I would call it something like, you know, a software-defined wormhole or a black hole identity and authorization system or maybe even identity and authorization ducts. Hmm, maybe I should just stick to cybersecurity and leave the marketing to the professionals.
To my mind, SDP is by far a superior cybersecurity first principle tactic and is better suited to help us accomplish our zero trust initiatives. It comes built in with an identity and authorization function to implement our need to know policies and keeps access to workloads limited to only the people and applications that should have access to them. Unfortunately, the architecture is not widely known despite the best efforts of the Cloud Security Alliance and the NIST. In a survey done by the Cloud Security Alliance back in 2020, only a quarter of the respondents even had heard about it. For those that did, they said the number one reason that prevented adoption is that it was too hard to rip and replace existing security technologies to do so. That's unfortunate. If Zero Trust is indeed a cybersecurity first principle, SDP is most likely in the long-term path of tactics to get us there. And it has the added benefit of matching exactly the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. model of identity and authorization. And that's a wrap. One last thing. I wrote a companion essay to this show as I do for all shows. But at the end of this one is a small timeline of STP authentication history and evolution. You can find the link to it in the show notes. Next week in the U.S. is Memorial Day weekend, which means it's a three-day holiday for us here at the CyberWire. The impact to you is no soup for you next week. No soup for you. But no worries. The week after, I'll be doing the last Rick the Toolman episode of this season, this time on intelligence sharing. You don't want to miss that. As always, if you have thoughts about this week's show or any thoughts in general, send them to csop at thecyberwire.com. That's C-S-O-P, the at sign, thecyberwire, all one word, dot com. The Cyberwire's CSO Perspectives is edited by John Petrick and executive produced by Peter Kilpie. Our theme song is by Blue Dot Sessions, remixed by the insanely talented Elliot Peltzman, who also does the show's mixing, sound design, and original score. And I am Rick Howard. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this preview of CSO Perspectives, be sure to subscribe to CyberWire Pro and get access to the rest of this episode, as well as all past seasons of CSO Perspectives ad-free. And you all know I love getting rid of the ads. Visit thecyberwire.com slash CSO Pro. That's thecyberwire.com slash CSO PRO to explore the many benefits of CyberWire Pro and to subscribe. Imagine a world where you're always one step ahead of cyber threats, where your defenses are impenetrable because you see what others don't. Welcome to Team Cymru's Threat Intelligence Solutions. With real-time access to the world's largest threat intelligence data ocean, they enable you to turn the tables on attackers. Transform your security from reactive to proactive through accelerated threat hunting and incident response, made possible through automation. Empower your team with visibility and insights to start defending your organization like never before. Team Cymru. Be the hunter, not the hunted. Learn more at team-cymru.com slash cyberwire. That's team-cymru.com slash cyberwire. <laughs>